0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Sockers Is That So. I am joined by a very, very special guest. Some of you might recognize her from YouTube and other platforms, but I am speaking to Peace Itimi, who is a notable YouTuber. You should check out her show, but she's also a growth marketer uh, and she describes herself as a T-shaped growth marketer, and she'll walk us through what exactly that means. But pleasure to have you on the show, Peace, and thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. I'm very honored. I have listened to a couple of your podcasts. I'm like, oh, this is very nice conversation. So I'm really excited to be here.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, before we dive into today's topic, why don't you give us a bit of your background uh, in terms of where you're from, uh, what you did, and then a bit of what you're currently doing now in your current role and, and your day-to-day?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> so I am Nigerian. I grew up in Nigeria. I grew up in a dual state um, that I schooled in, Delta State, Delta State University, because that's where I'm originally from. Um, I studied medical biochemistry. The plan was to study medicine and surgery. but you know how it works. It doesn't always happen. So that didn't happen. But um, in my two hundred level, I stumbled on someone who was blogging and I was like, there's something like a blog and I just kept following the trail and following the trail and I saw like at the footer of her website there, there was a CTA from WordPress saying create your own blog and I just clicked on it and next and I knew, I created a blog and that's kind of how anything tech or content creation started for me. So I just started writing. I was using like a Nokia phone then and I would just like publish like sometimes two sentences. When I go back to see like kind of content posted in Twitter, I'm like, what? But I I kept doing it and I didn't think anybody was reading my content until I met a friend and who was like, oh, I read your content, I read your blog, it's very nice. I'm like, oh, okay, somebody else is reading it. And so he introduced me to his friend who was a Google students ambassador at that time in UNI, University of Benin. And Alex was like, you're the kind of techie person that Google is looking for. And I'm like, I'm not techie, I just randomly have a blog. But yeah, so I ended up applying, and I became a Google Center ambassador. And that's how I found digital marketing. And so from wanting to study medicine, blogging, GSA happened. And I just said, you know what, Now nah, I want to pursue a career in marketing. And so by the time I graduated, I worked on my youth service and then moved to Lagos to build a digital marketing career there. Um, works a couple of agencies, did my own agency. That's also when I started doing YouTube. Now um, I'm head of growth at Hova. We're building an offline payment super app called Stacks, which means that people in Africa we're in about six different countries in Africa can send money, receive money by airtime without having to rely on the internet. So it's completely offline, or at least offline first. And I lead a good team, which just means that I'm leading the brand and marketing and product good team. So everything that has to do with acquisition and retention of our users, that's my daily headache. Um, and on the side, I'm I'm also um, reading my YouTube channel and just creating content that I think would inspire people. And now I live in London. So I moved from Lagos to London just about a year ago.
0: Fantastic. Wow. You've done so many things uh, in such a <laughs> short time. Uh, I'm wondering where we, we take the conversation from here, but truth be told, I think a lot of people will be interested in your Um, story creating content especially as a blogger given today's social media world it's almost like content is currency and attention is currency so I wanted to get your thoughts on um, you know advising our audience on what it means and what it takes to actually build content and how that has helped you personally in your career or helped your business having great content Um, having some of those uh, skills in terms of being able to reach an audience and talk to an audience with some interesting topics and things of that nature.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So I'll break that question into two, right? There's the part of creating content and the part of how content has sort of impacted me and how it can impact other people um, in whatever career there is. Um, I think for me, right, building content is really about just having something to share, right? Anything is content. Um, some people do comedy, that's content. Some people are music artists. Some other people like me, we just talk or we interview people, same mm-hmm. as you, right? Um, someone else will be a vlogger and they're just like sharing about their life. Um, Another person will be a travel vlogger and they're just sharing like travel content and realistic content. It's just really about finding an interest and sharing about that interest in whatever format. I started as a blogger, which means I used to write, right? I was on WordPress and on Blogspot, but it was just written words. Um, now, it's mostly just YouTube. So I still have a newsletter, but my focus is on video content. Um, I even have a podcast for something different, and that's audio content. So like, there's so many different formats. There's audio, there's video, there's short videos on TikTok. All of these things, uh, I'm not as a pattern. I just have it on the share. So when it comes to the content creation journey, I would say the first thing is, pick something that you're interested in, pick a topic that you're interested in. And the reason why that's very important is because the only way, one of the key ways to hack consistency is to have an interest in that content. Because when you start, right, it will seem like content is fun. And you get to a point you're like, oh, my God, this is a lot of work and I have to be consistent and I have to show up and I have to smile if you're doing video. It ends up at some point becoming work. And so the only way to make sure that you keep going is if you are very interested in that thing. And it's also fun for you, like the process of learning and creating somehow fun for you. Right. So that's one. Pick something you're interested in. Two find a bridge between that thing that you're interested in and the audience that you want to create content for, right? Because again, different people can create different kind of content, which means they will have different audiences, right? Based on, oh, I like Saga's podcast because of this, or I like Pieces podcast because of this, or I like this person's YouTube channel because of this. So you also want to find a way that what you're interested in and what you want to create content for matches the kind of people that you want to attract as the audience. And then there's the format. Again, there's so many formats. And what I always tell people is, Start with the format that is most easy for you, that's easiest for you. So people right now, everybody wants to do TikTok videos because TikTok is trendy. But maybe you're not a TikTok person. Maybe you're a LinkedIn person, right? And that's okay because for every format and for every platform, there are influencers that are big people. There are people that have 100,000 followers and are LinkedIn creators officially on LinkedIn. And there are some people who have Millions of followers on, on TikTok. And there's a people that their podcast have like 200,000 listings and they're even doing live shows now and doing like road trips to record their podcast. So it's less about the hype about that format and platform. And I think more about the one that you're most comfortable with and the one that's easiest for you. Because when you're starting a game, you don't even know how it will go. So you want to just do, oh, I think video is better for me. I feel more comfortable. It's easy for me. I can deploy it or audio is better for me. Just ease is what I would recommend when you're starting. And that's also because by the time you start getting bigger and more comfortable and more consistent, you'd realize that you can repurpose your content. And that's my favorite thing about content, like while recording a podcast, but you sit on your YouTube channel and then you can make a snippet and put it on Instagram or YouTube. That's one content that has gone into like four or five different platforms so don't bother so much about the platform just start with the one and then you can repurpose as you go i think those are like my core tips from when you want to start creating content your interest find a balance between your audience pick the format that you're most easy that you're most comfortable it's easier for you to do and then just create right consistency is half of the marketing, in my opinion, in my experience, right? Some people get really lucky, and maybe their first three contents, they will just go viral. For some other people, their hack to virality is just creating consistently and consistently, and that's how you build your audience, because they know, oh, this person shows up every week or every two weeks or every month, and there's content to look forward to. And even when somebody randomly comes to your page, they can just go through, like, a deep dive and they're looking at 50 different content. It happens to me sometimes. I, I just randomly find someone and then I see one content, two, three, four. Next then you have know, spent like two hours just consuming a backlog of what they are doing. So when you have that consistent backlog, it just makes virality or marketing or being you know, your audience much easier. So just focus on the quality and consistent first. But then there's the last part where even though consistency is half of the marketing, the other half is you actually doing the marketing. So you have to actually put a lot of work into distribution. At first, when I started, I thought like, you know, my content is great. I speak really well. I have really sound information I'm giving people. They will watch anyway. But yes, some people would stumble on it, but you will grow faster if you also put same level of effort that you put into creation, into distribution, right? So if I put one hour uh, into creating content, put another one out into distributing it. Like when I post something on YouTube, it would be on my LinkedIn, I'll post on my Instagram, I'll post on my Twitter, I'll share on WhatsApp groups. I'll put it everywhere because I want more people to see it. And good thing about building that audience is when you do that, when you're in 100 subscribers, by the time you get to 1,000, you don't need to really necessarily push again for that 1,000 because now you have them. 10 years on 50,000, a time will come where distribution will be on autopilot because you built their audience over time that they now know what to look for to, and where to find you. But at the beginning, you have to put as much work into distribution as you put into creation of the content.
0: I love that. That's a really, really good point. Uh, I had this issue myself where I spent like 80 to 90% of my time and my budget on content creation. And I thought, wow, the content is so great. If I just post it up, people will find it. Then you're like, 10 views later. And you're like, how come this hasn't gone viral yet? You're there scratching your head wondering what the problem is, but you're hundred percent right. You got to do the distribution as well. And so let's touch a bit on that. So let's say someone has some great content. They're consistent with it. They're doing week in week out. What are some of the tactics that you, that you've used to improve your distribution beyond the organic side of things where you're literally just posting on your social channels?
1: Yeah, one of the things that's helped me is what I've done paid ads before. Um, One of the ways that I kind of went from like the first 500 to like the first 3,000 YouTube subscribers was just investing my money and say, you know what, this is my content. I want to, I want to blow at some point and I would just run paid ads and get more people to watch the video on my Instagram and then redirect them to my YouTube. So if you can, if you have the budget to invest, even if it's only a dollar, just Put your money where your mouth is basically right okay. and promote your content literally Another know that thing is getting like a network of influencers so i have friends and i usually used to beg them please help me post my content help me share my content right like share to your groups i would actually join some groups on facebook that i had like a lot of um, community members i would spend some time replying and having conversations all i was doing was just making sure that they saw me as an active member enough so that it Two ones, I can start posting my content every other week, so it's just really finding those channels, finding those groups, finding influencers, and then also getting people involved in your content. So what I, what I started doing, I think my, my first 50 videos was just me just teaching and just talking, but after a while, I started interviewing other people, even before I started found this Connect, I would just get like maybe another marketer to come talk about something in marketing and I would discuss about it. What that helps is that that person becomes invested in the video as well. So mm-hmm. when I post, I'm like, our video is out and they also share with their own, co- with their own network. And that just helps me because now it's two people promoting a video, not just one person. And when you do that constantly, it helps. So you can collaborate with people so that they are kind of invested in the content because they are there as well. Or you can just get a network of influencers can be family and friends. Um, you can talk to media houses and say, hey, can you repurpose my content? I think what I'm doing kind of fits into what you guys already do already. So maybe there can be some sort of... Um, sync or partnership that you can do um and yeah those are some things i've done that has really just helped me it's just really about finding new places that they are and putting my money where my mouth is i don't do a lot of paid adverts anymore because now my audience has grown in a way that helps helps me carry my content but i still very much rely on getting all that, my friends my family my community to like guys please help me share we tweet my tweets you know
0: yeah no that makes a lot of sense and we'll come into some of the growth marketing stuff later on because I definitely want to touch on that but earlier on I mean how long did it take before you hit sort of that critical mass and you had a large enough audience to become sustainable whereby maybe you're making enough advertising dollars to create the content and you know it kind of becomes that virtuous cycle
1: um that's a very good question I don't think I'm there I'm not I don't think I'm (laughs) there yet in terms of like advertising monetization Mm. per se in terms of audience, probably when I got to like, I think I started seeing like a really good rise at like 7k subscribers on YouTube. Uh, but again, one of the things that feeds my YouTube is my social media. I also have like a good enough fan base on social media. So as my Twitter is increasing, I, it somehow triples into my YouTube. So it kind of just comes together. So I'm not sure I can give a number. However, I do know that I got very early signals on my content that motivated me enough to just keep going. So I knew that it wasn't just about the numbers, it was also about the impact of that content. Like that even if content with a video with a hundred views could also get me returns in a totally different way that wasn't YouTube subscribers or YouTube monetization. And that was very early. So I'll put on my content. And again, when I started, it was just I was teaching marketing stuff or good marketing stuff or just inspirational content. It was just me talking to people. And I remember someone texting me on Instagram that their CEO wanted to have a meeting with me, that they want me to come train their marketing team on one of these topics that he watched my video on. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so at that time, I had a video editor that was working with me and so I was paying him money and the money that I ended up being in this company was times five of what I was paid. And I'm like, okay, I just got enough money to shoot content for the next six months from one video. I still had barely less than 2,000 subscribers. My Instagram was still less than 10,000 at that time. So I didn't have the audience, but it was just one video that met the right person that just helped me make money. And so that was a really good signal for me that just really helped. So every time I would post, I would put all my hat into creating this content, I'm looking for 10k views. It's not getting there. It's getting like 300, but I always remind myself that oh, you probably just need one person to sponsor your content. Or one person to give you a different deal, a consulting gig at some point, and you can still get value from that. And so, what I began to do deliberately was sort of like mix how I create content. I will create content that anybody can watch and get value from. But I started creating content as well like very hardcore educational content because I wanted to be able to reach people that would give me a consulting gig as a growth marketer and because when I then make money from that it then helps me subsidize with the other content that I do so I did that for a while Once I started Founders Connect I had that balance maybe one in every 10 video would be a hardcore growth video. And I'm like, this is a LinkedIn video. I want like CEOs and startup founders to see it, know that I know what I'm saying and come and give me like a consulting gig while I'm just creating the other video that everybody can watch. So that's kind of how it helps me. Also, I've seen that there's some jobs I've gotten in the past, not even consulting gig, like it was an interview I did and the reason why I got that job was partly because of my YouTube content, where the CMO was like, I've watched a lot of your videos, and you feel like you really know what you're doing. And so we're going to give you this offer. And I'm like, so I didn't get this job offer just because I have how many years of experience in goods. I got it also partly because of my content. And I've got this speaking engagements as well because of my content. So there are sort of add-on value that I had got very early on. I just gave me a good signal that this is affecting my brand positively in the long term. And so it wasn't just about the money, even just the audience and views, it was okay. If I retain the consistency and the quality, I would definitely reap a lot in terms of my overall brand, not just about the money and views.
0: Absolutely. So it sounds like there's a few key benefits that you've gotten from your content including number one credibility perhaps number two some monetary opportunities and then number three some speaking opportunities as well Um, and that has kind of resulted in you being branded now as a bit of a, a growth marketer and so i wanted to transition into that a little bit and understand what exactly do you mean by a growth marketer because a lot of people have different definitions of it but what do you do as a growth marketer and why is it valuable (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah um so I work at an early stage startup and so being a growth marketer just simply means that I'm doing marketing I'm focused on user acquisition acquiring users for the product but I'm doing it in a way where it's just not marketing campaigns it's very heavy on product and data and experimentation so that's what the term growth marketing or growth hacking means it means that the approach to growing your user base is very analytical and very experimentation driven, right? Um, so that's what growth marketer means. But in my role as head of growth, I'm not I'm not just a marketer who's like, I'm not just an individual contributor. I lead the entire growth team. So I work hand in hand with the head of product. I'm building a marketing team behind me. I work with like the design team. I'm basically working with everybody in my company. Including the developers, because I then have to think about the product, the growth of the product as a as as a result of many different things. I think about oh, marketing influences our growth, product quality influences our growth, our design influences our growth. Something is wrong with the API that somehow would chew down to me because that would be a headache for something. So I'm thinking about awareness. How do people know about stacks? I'm thinking about acquisition. How do we get people to install it? I'm thinking about retention. Okay, so they've come. What do we need to do on a product level, on incentive level, referral level, on customer service to make sure that these users actually stay and refer other people? So it's kind of just 360 growth, you know, um, but for a fintech startup or for a fintech product.
0: Absolutely. So for all the startup founders out there that are trying to go from zero to their first thousand customers and they're trying to sort of growth hack their way to it, what are some of the, skills, tools, principles that you could recommend to them uh, as a growth marketer to help them get there.
1: Yeah, I would say that the first thing is when you think about growth, it always pays to think about it holistically. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned in my role over the years, that growth is always a result of many things. You can't can focus on your product alone and don't do any marketing and just hope that you get from zero to 100 just like that, right? All the big brands, including Google and Facebook, they all stay advertised, they all still have to do marketing. So product is great, product is, has to be super good, and then marketing has so much of that energy. In the same way, we can't just market a good product and a, a product that is not good. Marketing can be the best. You can hire the m- most amazing marketing genius. If the product as a call, as its, as it's core doesn't give value, users are still going to be like, nah, this doesn't work for us. So there's product, there's marketing. But there's also like things like design, and design can affect growth, and making sure that the look and the feel and the experience that people get from the product's core value, it makes sense, and being able to run experiments. And it's customer success, right? People can't come, what if they had an issue, who would they speak to? So, when you think about growth, think about it holistically. And if you're hiring a good person, hire someone who is able to say, okay, this is how all the department kind of feed into one another and how they can collaborate with every single person. That's like the very first thing. The second thing is you have to be very heavy with experimentation. I think that especially when you want to grow fast, you have to iterate fast, especially if you're a tech startup, right? experimenting and iterating fats is very, very important because, again, everybody's moving really fast and customers are changing, like, every single day. I like Coke yesterday, but today I like Pepsi. People are just changing, so you have to sort of, like iterate as fast as they do. And that just doing a lot of experiments. There's no experiment that's too big or too small to run. And the thing with experiments is sometimes we fail, which is why it's an experiment. It's not meant to just succeed. It's just meant for us to test, validate something, or unvalidate it and iterate immediately as you go. And then just focus on finding like a good level. Like, okay, in terms of our user growth, we want to be able to get from when I'm just launching to maybe when we raise a seed or series A, your core focus is, how do we get a good lever? What is the most important channel that gives us the best set of users? And then how do you scale that on from Series A? And there are lots of things to test, lots of tools to use that it wouldn't make sense to even just mention them. But I think these core principles of holistic growth, iterating very fast, and just finding a good lever is really key for holistic least
0: Absolutely. I think back to my time when I worked in the in corporation. And some of the principles we would use is number one, as you mentioned, um, experimentation. But to drill down on that, we would look at making sure that you can A-B test um, Mm -hmm. the different variants of what you're doing so that you can specifically measure the return on investment and the conversion rates for the different things that you're doing. And then uh, one of the other key core principles that we would look at is always being customer or benefit led as opposed to product led. And to give that a real example, you know, a lot of companies would like to write on their website, oh, we do this or our product can do this. And ultimately, the customer doesn't care what your product does. They care what the benefit of that product is to them. Like, does it Mm -hmm. save them time? Does it make it easier to do certain things? So those are some of the principles that, you know, we've looked at, but those things are always changing. And as you rightly mentioned, you always have to experiment and change. What are some of the trends that you've seen nowadays, um, whether that's either a TikTok or particular channels or anything like that, that really stand out to you and that you hope to, to leverage over the next couple of months or years?
1: Um, I think two that really stand out is mobile-first and video-first. So that I guess mobile-first, like as much as you can, not every product has to be a mobile app, but if it can't be a mobile app, probably will get the traction faster because everybody's on their phones, right? Um, another thing is also making sure that when you are then marketing or reaching out to people, you're focusing on things are like mobile-first. There are marketing channels like offline or TV or radio but that can just be a certain percentage, and the larger percentage is really how do we make people online and mobile. And second one is video first. And you can see that with the kind of apps that we have on the internet, right? There was just Instagram, and next thing you know, there's Snapchat, and there's TikTok, and there's Twitch, and there's Thriller. With a lot of, of, a lot of, um, consumer-focused products that are very heavy on lifestyle are video-focused, right? And that just means that that's where your customers are. That's where your users are. You just have to be there. If your customers are on TikTok, you had better be on TikTok. If they're on Snapchat, you had better be on Snapchat. If they're making dancing videos, you have to find a way to incorporate that into what you do. So it's video first based on how your users are using. I think those are like the two most important trends that I see that probably it wouldn't even change for the next couple of years. You then just have to find how the right, the right mix and how it works for you. Uh, it can just be video, but maybe for you, your audience are on YouTube, or maybe for you, your audience are on Instagram or they're on Snapchat, and you want to focus your video on that channel that users are, oh, we propose it so that it's on YouTube is a longer video, Instagram is a real, on TikTok is TikTok 15 seconds. And, you know, just walk across that. But I think that the two biggest trends that cuts across every industry, every market, whether you are in um, Europe market or you're in African markets or you're in America, like it literally cuts across the world, right? now.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's so important to have video so much. So I remember an AB test we did where we put a video on the landing page Right up, up top. And then another version, we put the video much further down the page. And our conversion rates went up by like 20 to 30% by just having the video because people want to engage with it. They don't want to read text. Unfortunately, no one's yep. reading anymore, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just watching videos. You just want
1: to watch and go, like, oh, I've gotten the new information. I love the lights.
0: Exactly. And our attention spans have changed too. I believe there was a study that showed sometime in the early 2010s, our attention span was about 14 seconds. And today it's about eight, if not less. So you literally have to capture someone's engagement so quickly and earlier on, if not, they move on to the next thing because we're so used to swiping and looking at things differently. How has that changed the yeah. way that you market or that you create content as well? This change in uh, attention spans?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you, you you hit it very early on, just like saying that people, people they don't, we don't want to focus on so many things that we get easily distracted and so the content that we would do even much better are the ones that are very short you know you post a video i post a video on instagram that is a real i'll get like twelve thousand views i post same instagram same on my page same audience but this time it's say five minutes and you'll be like two thousand views and i'm like but guys it's still me you know so is this really like really for making sure that for every piece of content that you're investing in, you want to make sure that either it's within that uh, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, less than one minute range duration, or you're able to capture the the audience attention in that first 15 seconds so that they then know what to expect and they're already engrossed enough to stay. Because again, right, we watch movies of two hours, two hours, 30 minutes because we like it and we're like, oh, this storyline is there. So the same thing for advertorial content. I might not be able to always pass across what I want to pass across in 15 seconds. But I can capture their attention in that first 15 seconds so that they're like, oh, this makes sense. And they stay. And in next 30 seconds, they get more volume. And, and next thing you know, somebody's watching a video for one hour. And I've seen someone my YouTube channel. I don't create short content. I'm, I'm an outlier. I, sometimes I think about that. If I probably if my content was probably like 50% shorter, maybe I would have grown faster. But I decided that this is my cross to be But I still see that even the videos that are longer on my channel are the ones that do better it freaks me out sometimes videos are like one hour 50 minutes 45 minutes always do better than videos that are just 20 minutes or 30 minutes right and that's because one there's a content audience feed so my con- audience know what to expect and uh, oh this is what we want to see but it's also that fact where I'm like oh these are the kind of people um this is what to expect from this video it's going to be an interesting conversation and people just end up staying so if you capture that their, their attention they're most likely to stay even a bit longer because now you have the attention but if you are fighting for the attention all through the video at some point they're just going to be like yeah this is not for me
0: Absolutely. I always think it's a balance. Much like you mentioned, yeah. we'll sit down and watch a two and a half hour movie. That movie is always accompanied by a trailer, which is like 30 seconds long, which first gets you hooked and actually excited to even try the movie out. Exactly. Likewise, for video content on YouTube, you can have a two hour uh, you know, podcast like Joe Rogan or something like that. But he still has those bite sized 30 second clips, which are excerpts from his interviews, which make yeah. you think, whoa, if that's what I got it's for 30 that- seconds. What could I yeah. get from a full two-hour interview? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Very, very, very spot on. I actually do the same thing as though well. I have one minute snippet and I post that. to like, oh yeah, this is what they will hear. And then people are just watching the videos like, oh, this I want to hear that one minute in this full context plus so be able to get more information. So you're very spot on there.
0: Absolutely. I wanted to touch on the exchange of value. Um, and the reason why that's important is because people don't want to engage with something that doesn't give them value. And they want to engage with things that do if you look at places like HubSpot, where there are blogs on just really rich content and stats, and so that, you know, it buys in the customer to the proposition, because HubSpot has given them so much value without asking for a single thing in return yet. Um, And so that makes you want to use it much like on LinkedIn as well. If you do a cold outreach saying, hey, I'm selling product X, Y, Z, please buy it. The person is going to be like, "Uh, no, thank you. But Mm -hmm. if you present them value and say, oh, I noticed you work at this company, you're spending 10% more than you should on this product. You know, I can save you X amount. So let's talk about value and the, the exchange of value. How do you go about that when you're either creating content or trying to grow an audience or all those types of things?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you already said it. It's really just about giving value. There's there's no other way to say it, right? You want to think about content as you really just point yourself out there. And when you have like a content audience speech, you always get good returns, right? Because everything every, everything literally on the internet is content, right? And people gravitate towards the kind of content that they want to get value from. It could be educational, information, entertaining, but all of these things are forms of value. So you really just want to focus on the quality of your content because quality content gives people value and do that repeatedly enough. Once you do that and you gain your trust and create and gain credibility, you can probably monetize anything, right? There's this thing in marketing called the TL- um, KLT factor. People need to know you, like you, and trust you for them to be able to buy from you. There's knowing you, is, oh, I know that. Hi, Saka. But there's liking you Ways like I'm seeing your personality, I've seen a bit of your content, I like you. And then when you do that consistently, they begin to trust what you say. And that's the way you become like an influencer. And like, oh, this person can influence somebody's yeah, um, thoughts or process about a certain thing. And once you get that trust, money is easy, right? Because now they don't just, they know you, they like you, they trust you. And content is one of the really great ways to get yourself from knowing to like, to trust and just consistently do that. Um, one of my, one of my, Went on the internet, Selim King, right? Selim went from 1,000 followers to about 20,000 followers in his first year, if I'm not correct. He basically decided that he was going to shoot one-minute black-and-white videos every day in January 2020. And he shot one-minute January 1st, second, third. By the end of the month, he had 5X his amount of followers. Now he has about 40,000, almost 50,000, if I'm not correct, right? Really close to 50,000. And all he did for the longest time or just shoot one minute black and white videos that give people value. And next thing you know, Salem has a course, or he has an ebook, and he's selling out every single time. And it's much easier for him to get brand endorsement deals now, get somebody to sponsor, sponsor his travel, say, you know what? I'm losing a course for only 30 people at this amount. And next thing you know, oh, it's sold that Because over time, he just kept giving people content, giving quality content consistently in a very simple format. One means black and white Instagram videos. That's it. He didn't even have to bother about how it looks because it's black and white. But that consistency in quality just gives you that trust that's evergreen that makes it much easier for you to monetize stuff. The way I, it's not easier for me to monetize stuff for my general audience than it was two years ago, than it wasn't when I started. So it's kind of like a test of how much can you stay consistent so that you can build a good enough audience number. And it's not really even about the number because again, there are people that have 5,000 followers or even 1,000 followers, but they've been able to really get the trust of that small segment of users, and they can still monetize it. And that, that's really what happens. And that's what really what matters.
0: Do you ever think that the industry is saturated though for your, your type of content or for particular influencers? And does that make it harder?
1: It is saturated, but I don't think it makes it harder because there's so many more people on the internet. There are more people consuming content on the internet than the act of people creating content. Mm. So even if there's 10 or piece, Think there are probably like maybe a hundred thousand people that can consume all of that content. And if you divide it by 10, everybody can really have their audience. Just like if you think about it for movie stars. Uh, musicians, there are a lot of them, and it looks like there are a lot of them, but all of them have like 10 million followers and 5 million followers and 1 million followers. And so people follow all of them. And it's not just really about the type of content, it's also about the personality of the person behind it. And so people would go for peace over soccer because of personality. So somebody would go for Saka over peace because of personality, even if their content are the same. So I don't think it's saturated. Like, and even when brands are looking for influencers, they will look for influencers within the same niche, but like, five of them and like oh they're all similar the more people see it in our audience segments the better our brands will be so i don't i don't think that content creator has been a lot is a problem because we have much more people who are consuming that content and you're audience will find you and will stay with you because it's also about your personality not just what you're trying to put out there and people are also very okay watching multiple videos of the same thing if i'm searching for good hacking tips, i'll probably watch three different videos from three different people about the same thing because i will feel like maybe some this person will say something that this person doesn't say but yet it's the same topic
0: Absolutely! Wow, there's so much we could go through, but I like to try and keep <laughs> this content shortened to the point. But um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can they find out more of your content and potentially engage with you?
1: It's Peace Itimi everywhere. So that's Peace, like P A C E I T I M I everywhere. So literally, Peace Itimi on Twitter, Peace Itimi on LinkedIn, Peace Itimi on YouTube, which is very important. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and also Peace Itimi as well on Instagram.
0: Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was a very lovely conversation. You asked really good questions. Thank you.
0: Awesome.